It's quite an ordeal, isn't it? <laughs> I'll give you this back, honey. I'll do a straight swap. Somehow I think he got the better end of the deal, but that's okay. Cool. Kind of cool. I'm a bit nervous, so bear with me. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure to be able to kick off um, our Christmas series for 2021. It's our very first week back at church, and they thought, hey, throw the rookie in there and give her a go. So, um, yeah, please be patient with me. But it is so exciting to see everyone and to be able to see a little bit of festivity happening in the corner over there, um, particularly going into shopping malls. Scout thinks it's the best thing ever to see the ginormous Christmas trees. Um, she's actually understanding and sort of getting a grasp of the excitement and the buzz that's around Christmas, which is really cool. Um, some people might actually think it's a bit early for Christmas things, um, and especially before December's even actually rolled around. But I say the Christmas message is perhaps the greatest story ever told, so why wouldn't we celebrate as early as possible? If we could have Christmas all year round, I would be absolutely thrilled. Um, but needless to say, our tree has been up since mid-November, um, and it's really exciting to start seeing... Yeah, anyone else? <laughs> It's really exciting to see presents starting to slowly fill under the tree and getting ready and preparing to start gifting friends and family. Um, I'm, I'm excited for what is to come. Um, our Christmas series is called... Put it away. <laughs> um, our Christmas series is called Come Let Us Adore Him. Um, and it's going to focus on the birth story of Jesus, of course, and in particular, the gifts that were offered to him by the Magi. I hope I'm saying that right. Magi, anyone can correct me. Um, or the wise men um, and what that might symbolize. So we're going to look at Matthew 2, 1 to 12 today. And the title of my sermon is A Gift Fit for a King. But before we get stuck into that, I'll just um, quickly pray to, to kick us off. Father God, we are just so thankful and appreciative, Lord, that we can be here together. Father, like Nathan said, it's, it's not perfect, but being together is something that is, um, you know, something that you've called us to do, to fellowship with one another, and this brings us great, great joy. Father, we thank you for what Christmas represents. We thank you for your son, and whatever it is in this message that you want to lend in the hearts of people, Father, I pray that that would be the thing that, that sticks and anything else would just fall by the wayside. Um, please dwell with us this morning, Father God, and, and be with us as we explore your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you wanted to flick to Matthew chapter 2, um, there should be some verses, I think, popping up if you haven't got it. But um, the, the title in my Bible was uh, The Magi Visit the Messiah. And it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them uh, the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it, had, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And, have been, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned in their country by another route. I've sort of split my message into three, uh, three parts. And the first part is king. Um, I'll start with a little story. Recently, or you may have seen if you, if you follow our family at all um, on social media, but Scouts just celebrated her second birthday last weekend. I feel like we were only just sharing the news about little preemie baby girl a couple of months ago, but apparently two years have passed and that's utterly terrifying. Um, and it's kind of breaking our hearts, but also delighting us to no end. Um, last year, we managed to scrape together this small little get-together, a little bit belated after the, the big lockdown. And she probably doesn't remember that at all. Um, but this year, we were able to really shower her with love and gifts and friends and family. We actually organised um, for our garbage man... <laughs> He's uh, the celebrity in the street that Scout rushes out to see every Friday and it happened to land on her birthday. So I called the Whittlesea Council and asked them, could they do something special for her? And so they came and gave her a little wheelie bin and let her jump up in the truck and sort of drive the garbage truck. And it was probably cooler for me than for her, but she had a great, great start to her morning. Um, we also took her out to Edendale Farm. We came back home. We had another little party for her with some little friends. Little Charlotte and Esther were there. Um, and we then had family dinner with a whole lot of other people. Then the next day, we continued celebrating at the zoo. This two-year-old was absolutely spoiled. And as I was reading that passage um, before, I was just remembering back to when Scout was first born. And it's actually really incredibly difficult to put into words the feeling of people delighting in your child. Many parents here, I'm sure that you probably remember that feeling and I'm not alone. Um, but it's like this absolute swelling of joy and pride, just seeing other people enjoy this beautiful baby that was all yours. Um, you know, people came in, they soaked in this little, little tiny baby, meeting her for the first time. And even before she was born, we have these baby showers. So she was receiving gifts before she was even born. Um, as Scout's parents, though, it was such a heartwarming scene to see so many friends and family come around and share in the joy of our baby. And it was a truly memorable and beautiful experience to see others delight in and adore our little girl. I read the account of the Magi and realised just how much more significant the birth of that baby was. There's this picture of two or three or possibly even more Magi, strangers, coming to meet this baby Jesus. Not just with gifts, but with priceless and rare gifts that were usually reserved for kings. There are a few different thoughts about who um, the Magi were pretty well understood though that they were people from the east so they came from Persia or Babylon um, and they were most likely astronomers astrologers people of science um, who observed and interpreted mysteries of the universe um, 
such men were very well respected and they're mentioned as advisors to kings throughout other parts of the Bible and also throughout history. As I reflect on Scout in the same way I think of Mary and what she must have been thinking, her and Joseph knew the miraculous gift that they had been given responsibility for. They had been given charge to carry and care for the Son of God. But just trying to imagine a number of strangers turning up on your doorstep, arriving, holding a treasure trove of expensive gifts to give to your child. So today I'm going to focus on the first gift, the gift of gold. And if you guys are happy to indulge me for a very quick moment, what are some associations that you guys would think of when you think of gold? Money? Rings. Anyone else? Precious, yeah. Anything else? Pure. In verse 11, it says, They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As much as I truly believe Scout is the most precious gem and deserves every good thing in the world, I can't imagine someone that I don't know turning up and going, Here are some treasures for your child. Just for some context and clarity too, frankincense and myrrh were also pretty special. Frankincense is a resin that was used as an incense or a fragrance and myrrh was like an essential oil effectively that was used as a fragrance but also in the embalming process. And some of the next series will explore those other gifts a little bit more too. But I can't think of a time when I thought that it was appropriate to turn up to a baby shower or to a newborn baby um, and, or, or even maybe a toddler by the time the Magi got to Jesus. Um, a precious metal, some perfume and some oil. Maybe baby oil, that might, have, um, might suffice. But these were not your typical welcome to the world little baby gifts. In fact, these gifts were often uh, included in gifts given to kings, as I mentioned before. And we all know that Jesus wasn't a typical baby. He was the miraculous son of God and he wasn't just a king, he was the king. He was the king of kings and the lord of lords. He was the saviour of the world. And the gift of gold is particularly symbolic because gold speaks of kingship, of royalty, of importance. It's refined, it's pure, it's a treasure. And all of these things spoke prophetically into who Jesus was going to be in his life on earth and also beyond. But it also fulfilled scriptures prophetically that had been prophesied earlier as well. In Isaiah 60 verse 3 and 6, there are references to golden incense and praise that would one day be given to the king of the world. And that's exactly what happened. One commentary that I was reading um, made a particular note that the Magi didn't even bring gifts of gold or anything to King Herod when they came on their journey through. And yet they came bearing these hugely significant treasures for a a baby child, an infant king, that they'd seen in their dreams. And the passages in the Gospels tell us that um, the Magi offering their treasures to Jesus are a fulfilment of the words that the King of the world was now here. We can find symbolism in each of the gifts that they offered. And the gifts themselves, though, were not the focus. What's the most noteworthy in this context is that gifts like these, which were given to an infant, were a confirmation that the receiver Jesus was the King that the world had been waiting for. Nathan and I were actually reflecting on Mary and Joseph recently and I don't know why I'd sort of just come to this realisation, maybe it just hit me harder, 
that Mary and Joseph at this stage were still likely teenagers. They were young kids, effectively. Um, and in the surrounding books of the Bible, we, we learn they weren't wealthy people. They didn't have significant means. Um, they were very young. So in this context, just imagine the, the gravity of that feeling of these prestigious people walking into your humble home and offering these lavish gifts. The humility of having these people in your home. The gift of gold would have been such a prominent reminder to Mary and Joseph of the miracle and responsibility that they had been entrusted with. It would have confirmed that what they had been told to trust God with and in faith believed. And in contrast, the Magi clearly came from affluence. The gifts that they brought were expensive. And although they would have had probably a lot, a lot easier access to wealth than most other people, um, the journey that brought them to Jesus wasn't just long, so it cost them in time, but it also would have cost them a lot in their resources. Um, yeah, a, a two-year journey effectively. I know I don't have enough in my savings to go for a two-year adventure around anywhere, um, but just consider that these men didn't even really know much of Jesus either, other than what they knew from their dreams, the leaders that they sought direction and advice from who were fairly unhelpful, um, and not only that, but the others along the journey did not seem to have the same interest in this newborn king either, aside from Herod, who clearly wanted to kill him. This brings up a really great question. How seriously do we take our worship in honour of Jesus? As followers of Christ, with the wealth of knowledge that we have from the Bible and history, how do we approach the king with the same measure of respect, adoration and excitement as the Magi did? That was something that it got me thinking. <laughs> um, the next section that I wanted to go through, um, I've titled Kingdom. Um, when God sent us the king of the world, he was establishing his kingdom. The world in which we live today, and particularly in Australia, we view democracy as the model that benefits society most. But in the Bible, God's model wasn't democracy, it was a kingdom. I came across this quote um, as I was looking into this, and I, I really liked it. It's up, up there on the screen. It says, Both earthly governments and earthly kingdoms can be corrupt, but the kingdom of God is the government of heaven, incorruptible and built on the character and word of God. The gift of gold didn't just recognise that Jesus was a king. It actually gave him the authority and acknowledged his right to rule as a king. In the current climate and from my democratic perspective, I've been thinking, what are some of the characteristics that make me most likely to follow someone's lead? What are the characteristics that make someone worthy of respect in that kind of context of, of, a, of a ruler or something like that? The top of my list, someone who practices what they preach. I'm more likely to believe what someone says to respect their views and opinions and decisions when I can see that what they say lines up with what they do. In the same way, particularly in, in workplaces and you know, things that I've, I've been involved in in my life, I know how I'm likely to react if I'm under the lead of someone who gets in amongst the group, humbles themselves and leads from within the group. In the context of Jesus, our ruler and king, we have the Holy Son of God, king over all of the earth, saviour of the world, and what are the foundations of the kingdom that Jesus came to build? The fruits of the Spirit are a pretty good starting point, I think, for this. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The life that our heavenly King Jesus modelled for us was one of humility, one of service, one of compassion and self-awareness. And this is the kingdom that we as a church operate within, even when the other world may not. And although at this point Jesus is still just a small child, we know that it wasn't a democracy that he came to establish. Jesus submitted himself to the will of his Father, just as we submit ourselves to the will of Jesus. There is great significance in the gift of gold as a symbol of the infant king that had come to the world and the new kingdom of God that was going to be established with him. So in our walk with God, how do we live within this framework of his kingdom? Following the example that he set out for us. We can learn right here in the Bible the way that Jesus lived his life. The third part that I wanted to talk on is inheritance. And the Bible talks about the children of God being heirs within the kingdom. Romans 8 verse 18 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Jesus was given gifts of gold, but we were actually given something far more precious than gold. Even as a baby or small child, the Magi's acknowledgement of Jesus was that he was king. The gospel message tells us that he wasn't just a king, a saviour of the world, bringing us into his family through salvation from our sins. And as it says in Romans, that makes us heirs. I was reading a commentary um, that discussed who the Magi were likely to have been. And as I mentioned briefly before, they were astrologers, interpreters of stars from Persia or a land in the east. And what was interesting was that it remarked that practising that kind of profession was explicitly forbidden in the Old Testament. Effectively, these men were pagans who came to worship and adore the king of the world. What do we do with our inheritance? The inheritance that we've been brought into is one that we should share with others. We never know who Jesus can touch and transform. The gift that we've been given in salvation should be shared with all. And Christmas is sort of a time that we can get caught up in a lot. Um, Maybe you're an incredible gift giver who always knows the most well thought out, appropriate, considerate gift to give someone. Maybe you're married to one, like I am, and you always feel outgifted at Christmas. Um, perhaps for whatever reason, you, gifts might not form a very large part of, of your Christmas celebrations. But irrespective of the physical gifts that we may give or receive, we can all enter this season in the knowledge that we've already been given the greatest gift that we could ever receive. God's gift to the world was salvation through his son, Jesus. And we can also enter this season knowing that we have something incredible to give to others. Sorry, my message is short today. <laughs> so the challenge that I want you to consider today, if anything, is what gifts do we have to give back to God that acknowledge Jesus as King? What acts of worship and adoration can we offer him to show that he actually holds the rightful place in our lives as the king. 
How do we live in a kingdom mindset that is humble and reflects that Jesus, the life that Jesus led here on earth? In our state at the moment and in our community, in our schools and even in our homes, what does it look like to adore Jesus, honouring the kingdom that he's come to establish? And what do we do now with what we've received, our inheritance, as heirs in his kingdom? As we approach this season, I would really love us to reflect on the significance of the gifts of the Magi and what they brought and what it means for us. I want us to consider these unchurched people, pagan astrologers who journeyed a ridiculously long way, following nothing but a star in the hopes of worshipping and celebrating the birth of the saviour of the world. What lengths do we go to to show our adoration for Jesus and to honour the significance of him being sent to establish his kingdom with love and mercy for everyone? And if our actions were to be put up beside those magi in these stories, would we be content with what we're currently offering God? So I'm just going to pray. Father God, we just honour and adore you this morning. We thank you so much for sending your son and coming to live this earthly life and showing us the way that you'd intended for your kingdom. Lord, we come humbly to you. We offer what we have as generous gifts to exalt your name, Lord. And we ask that you keep your rightful place in our lives as king over all the earth. Father, help us to be more aware of ourselves in our daily lives, what we may be able to bring to your feet each day. Help us not to keep the good gifts that we've been given as our inheritance to ourselves, but to boldly share and um, give these gifts back to people that they might find you in this season. We love you, Lord. We honour and praise you today, King of the world, our Saviour, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.